You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Okay, everyone. Today we have Tim McCormick, who's the CEO of SaaS Optics, which is a subscription management platform for B2B SaaS from startup to exit. I'm going to let him explain what that actually means in a second. He's been the CEO for four years. We actually met at the Traction Conference on a ski lift. We're talking to each other as we're coming down top of the hill. It's good to good to reconnect with you, Tim, and welcome yeah. to the show. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having me, Eric. Yeah, it's been well, too long. <laughs> yeah, two years. So it's it's been a long time coming for sure. But yeah, can you give us a little background, kind of uh, you know, kind of who you are, what your story is? Sure. So I, I've yeah, you know, thirty plus years in the software business. So I'm an old guy, but had really career in all the go to market activities and software companies. Um, focused on uh, marketing and sales almost my entire career. And kind of the route I took was joining venture-backed startups and growing them and had a couple of really good exits. One was with internet security systems, an Atlanta-based intrusion detection and vulnerability management company that we grew from. I was employee 13 and ran marketing for the company, and we, we grew it to about $400 million in revenue and sold it to IBM for one point. Nice exit. <laughs> yeah, 2006, and then got a couple of our German engineers and the founder of Internet Security Systems, Tom Noonan. We started an, another SaaS-based energy management company called Julex. It was kind of IoT before IoT was cool, and figured out that there really wasn't a great market of you know energy management here in the U.S. since U.S. companies aren't really focused on saving energy because the kilowatt hour is so cheap. In Europe, we really did well since the kilowatt hours, like 30 or 40 cents an hour. And we were helping Cisco quite well with moving big switch and, and router upgrade infrastructure deals their way using energy management as a kind of a, a wedge and a competitive differentiator. So we convinced Cisco that they needed to acquire us. So they acquired us in 2013 for about $107 million dollars. And I had a stint there with Cisco for about two and a half years. And then that's when I caught up with our founder and really good, good long-term friend of mine here in Atlanta, Dave Ryan, who was working on SaaS Optics at the time. Got it. A couple questions, right? So you've had all these big exits. Why continue playing the game right now? What's what's the reason? (laughs) I think it's about the journey. I mean, I I just, it's in my blood to operate companies. I really enjoy kind of the, the growth aspect and this point in my career, it's really about really watching the younger folks come in, the talented younger folks, and developing them and watching them grow and be successful in their careers and really get the firsthand experience that I found when I started my career. I just loved small startup companies, and it's great to kind of see that reflected in, in kind of the younger generation and watching them grow and develop. So it's really it's really been fun, fun to watch. But I just think operating is in my blood. I love it. I mean, you know, when I look at your background, we're looking at software, but it's it's kind of in different industries. So part of me is wondering, like, how do you make the switch from internet security systems to energy management? Because it's like you're solving big problems. So what's the kind of how do you make that happen? You know, that that linkage was really it's, it wasn't that huge of a shift. I mean, if you think about what we pioneered at ISS was vulnerability management, the ability to kind of go out over a network and to be able to 
assess all of the remote devices connected to a network and assess it for vulnerabilities in the operating system or in applications or what have you. This was really a couple degrees from that where we're still going out over the network like a vulnerability scanning solution does, identifying devices, but instead of assessing those devices from a security perspective, we are simply understanding if that device was being utilized and then we had a, a database of uh, devices and we knew how many kilowatt hours the devices would use based upon their chipset and the device itself. And then a lot of the newer devices, actually, you could read the, the real-time energy consumption of those devices you know, right off of the particular device and bringing that back and, and making it actionable by closing the loop of, hey, if that device is not being utilized, why don't we shut it off remotely? Or we could put it in a, a sleep mode or, or in a lower power state. If you think about you know, data centers, you know, all of the chipsets now usually have the ability to dial them back to use less energy dynamically. So that's the kind of problem space that we work in. So it really wasn't too far from security. Damn, I'll tell you, that's that's way too complex for me. I'll tell you that. So hats off to you. Um, so let's talk about SaaS optics. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your site. I mean, this is a little more understandable to me, at least, you know, be, being in, in SaaS. So it says the headline here is the leading subscription management platform built for B2B SaaS from startup to exit. Automate order to cash, eliminate spreadsheets, scale 10x faster. So can you talk about what the business actually does and how people kind of benefit from it? You know, really the subscription model has really fueled you know, our growth in a lot of ways. And we choose to focus on what we think is the fastest growing segment, which is B2B SaaS businesses, because since their inception, you know, obviously they're, they're, all of them are um, have a subscription model from the get-go. And when you have subscription models, you know, this whole order to cash process you know, needs to be automated. We kind of sit between the CRM and the general ledger and we automate that order to cash process and we're automating, you know, financial tasks like uh, revenue recognition, which is even more complex now that there are new guidelines, ASC 606 guidelines, new gap guidelines have really made it a little bit more complex. So automating that process, making it much more efficient for the finance team, and we're targeting very small companies. So we've really innovated around our pricing model, and we have an affordable value-based model that is tied to our customer's revenue size. So we estimate the market is somewhere around 30,000 B2B SaaS businesses globally, about 15,000 in North America, and 15,000 rest of the world. And we're focused on those that are making their way from because we feel that that is the most underserved part of the market. You know, you get into 50, 70, 100 million, you know, you're starting to adopt these robust ERP solutions like NetSuite and others that are there. But you look at our market and we see nothing but, you know, maybe a CRM in place and maybe QuickBooks as the finance you know, system of record. And there really isn't anything in between to help streamline the whole process of order to cash and collecting cash, as well as automating the revenue recognition and then delivering on, you know, we have 100 plus SaaS metrics and KPIs that are delivered as a byproduct of that whole order to cash process. So 
It's kind of a very purpose-built solution for B2B SaaS only. We're not selling to a manufacturer one day and a healthcare institution the next. It's a B2B SaaS business. We have 685-plus customers now globally that use our platform. So uh, I'm looking at the, the site right now. I mean, just to help people visualize this a little bit, I mean, I'm looking at you know revenue projection here. There's like a CFO dashboard, there's ARR performance, and then you can look at momentum. It's obviously lifetime value to CAC ratio. There's a lot of these things in here that I think this ultimately saves you time and it's kind of the reports that you need. Am I correct? Yeah, exactly. So not only to kind of manage and grow your business and, and, you know, understand those KPIs and metrics, you know, to grow the business, but it's also to get funded and stay funded. We've been through three rounds of financing now and our customers are, you know, look like us going through multiple stages and, you know, all of those cohort analysis and all of those rich metrics are the first thing that investors want to see. And, you know, we're all about helping you tell your financial story as much as you are, you know, telling your growth story and, and, and your product story. So um, we're automating that whole process. And like, you know, for, for us, we use our own solution as well. And, you know, we're almost up to 90 employees and we have, you know, one controller, no CFO and only one person in finance that actually uses our platform to bill all of our customers, do all the renewals. And again, I can push a button and look at any any of the hundred SaaS metrics or KPIs, you know, on demand whenever I choose. So it's it's always up on my on my desktop. How do you guys make money? How do you guys generally charge just so people have an idea? Yeah, sure. So I mentioned we have a very value-based model where we scale the pricing relative to our customer's revenue size. So we have revenue bands, if you will, that associate with our annual subscription fees. So if you're a small, you know, under $2 million company, you'll pay much less than somebody that's at 10 or 20 or 30 million, for example. And what we do each year is we just do a look back on the trailing 12 months revenue. And if our customer grows, we grow our subscription fee by a nominal amount each year. So we kind of grow along with our customers. So that enables us to kind of go way down market and and get a customer at a million in, in revenue on a very scalable platform. So they get them out of spreadsheets and kind of automate their process at a very fair and affordable price rather than waiting for years and years to disrupt the entire organization and go through a six to 12 month ERP implementation, which nobody wants to do. Right. So let's say someone starts out at, you know, a hundred grand ARR, just so people can kind of get a sense of what they'd be paying. What would that look like for 100K? Yeah, it's hard to say because we have some options in terms of integrations, like with Salesforce, integrations with Stripe, if you're taking credit card payments, if you're doing QuickBooks, or if you're doing Intact at that stage. But I would say the range would be somewhere between five and $10,000. Got it. So about, you know, anywhere from five to 10% or so. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you look at the perspective of hiring another finance employee, it's just a fraction of the cost. Right. Of, of a full-time finance employee. I'm just going to do some math. You don't have to confirm or deny anything here, but you said maybe roughly 685 paying customers. Let's say they're all doing like a million ARR or so. When you guys take 5% of that, that's a good chunk of money. That's like 34 million bucks a year. 
Yeah, it doesn't equate to quite that rich yeah. <laughs> of a percentage well, for sure. Ho- hopefully you get there soon. <laughs> but that's awesome. Cool. Well, I love the whole concept of value-based pricing. I mean, it, it, it just makes a lot of sense. So when you think about how you guys have been growing, like what's been working well for you? Because it's first, you know, like when we first started talking on the ski lift, I was like, SaaS optics. I was like, what is that? Right. And then when you explained it after a bit, I was like, okay, I get it. So what's been working for you in terms of growth? So, you know, a couple of things are really coming together. I think it's really the blend of of marketing and sales. We've been really working on an account-based model as, you know, the world seems to be. But we have a great mix of kind of marketing attributed leads and accounts. We have about 70% of our overall revenue has a marketing first touch attribution to it, which is really good to see. And if you analyze the revenue, 45% of the of the closed opportunities are you know marketing generated from over our website and through our campaigns and then 35 is 35% is from our BDR team you know sourcing their own accounts and delivering those to the sales team and about 20% the remainder is our sales reps kind of sourcing their own business so it, I think the balance of that is is really really healthy and great. Obviously, you want you know continue more and more marketing generated opportunities over time, but we we like the balance. We like where it's at, and we continue to kind of improve on the marketing side of things. So I think we've um, got a great balance, and that has really helped us grow. How is your sales team structured? We have a team how big of, is it, etc. Yeah, we have a team of 10 BDRs that focus on sourcing and connecting with customers and, you know, doing the discovery calls and qualifying customers on on product fit and then passing them over to our sales team. We have a team of, of 10 sales reps that are conducting the sales cycle, doing the demonstrations themselves. We don't have SEs in the mix because our sales cycles are about 35 to 42 days long. Not bad. And so it's very fast. It's very high volume, uh, the nature of the business. And so the sales reps do the demos and do the contracts and close the business. And then we have our implementation team take uh, the customers from there. And again, very rapid time to value with uh, four to five weeks on average. We get our customers live on our platform. At what annual recurring revenue do you recommend people start using SaaS Optics? So there's a couple schools of thought. I mean, the pat answer is as early as possible. You have a couple of different uh, customer types where there are CEO founders that they're on their second or third time around where they've had a couple of uh, good exits that will come to us pre-revenue and say, I'm putting this in day one because I've seen the movie before and the spreadsheets get out of control and they've got errors in them. You miss invoices, you miss renewals, and you have to keep those updated and try to get your way through funding rounds. So they've seen the movie and they, they choose to implement it very, very early. And then you have some new founder CEOs that haven't quite seen that movie that are well intent to manage this with spreadsheets. And as I'd like to remind people, you know, the uh, SaaS businesses are valued on a, a multiple of ARR. Yeah. And you're choosing to manage, you know, your most valued asset, which is your ARR and your customer subscriptions, the business and all those metrics and analytics that come 
as a byproduct of that order to cash process, you're choosing to, to have disconnected systems, not you know one single source of truth, and you're managing most of that in spreadsheets because QuickBooks can't handle it. You need a platform and be mature about it. You're spending a lot of money on you know sales and marketing technology to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars, and yet your most valued asset, your ARR and your customer book of business, you choose to not have an app that can scale with your business. It's kind of just, it's kind of foolish. Right. Okay. So I think it's a must have for everyone in SaaS. That's what you're basically saying. And it looks like it is. So the, the other thing too, I mean, I'm looking at the site. I'm also considering the experience you've had, you know, with multiple exits and, you know, the way I go through your site, I'm like, okay, everything seems pretty buttoned up in terms of value-based pricing, right? You're not just, you know, you have a pricing page. It's not going to necessarily show pricing. And this to me just tells me that, you know, a lot of this comes from experience. So I'm just wondering earlier, before we started, we talked about internal processes, but over the years, your experience in business, kind of what are the same processes that you've like reused over and over and over when it comes to SaaS that have really kind of helped your companies, you know, go to success? Yeah, I think the number one thing is listening to your customers and really understanding the market has really been the fuel for, you know, the growth of most of the successful companies. And really, you know, we spent the first or David, our founder, and our, and our couple of co-founders spent the first five or six years bootstrapped the company, but grew it to a million in ARR and 166 customers with only four to six people in the business for the first six years of its inception and listened to those customers and revved the product in in every single month we've had a product release and we have that model still to this day where we aren't making you know huge functional upgrades to the product where you have one or two a year we drive new features and functions into the product every single month so that's a combination of you know the way the market's changing and putting in features and functions the the market at, at large wants to expand our total addressable market, but then there are very specific features and functions that the customers ask for that we prioritize and drive into the product every single month. So that I think is the recipe where you're satisfying the customers, they're paying, you know, and voting with their wallet year over year and you're in a SaaS model. So they, they have to be getting increased value over time. Yeah, I think one of the biggest mistakes we made with our SaaS product, ClickFlow, was we surveyed the audience and then they paid us, they prepaid us for a bunch of features, right? And we kind of defined what we wanted to build, but we didn't actually sit down with them and ask them the right questions in terms of, you know, what their main pain points were, um, mm-hmm. the worst part of their day, that kind of stuff, right? And I read this book called The Mom Test and that really changed everything for my, my co-founder and I. So I, I'm just wondering when you say, listen, you know, what are some kind of practical questions you ask to customers to really dig out the gold? Because sometimes you can lead them with the wrong questions. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, you you definitely have to understand the kind of the different roles. And we don't deal with a in these smaller businesses, as you can imagine, we have uh, CEO founders, you know, if it's a very small SaaS businesses, or we deal with controllers, VPs of finance or CFOs as they get bigger. And then maybe when they're very large, like over 20 million, you're dealing with this new term revenue ops or it's kind of sales operations kind of reincarnated. But you have to really understand what, you know, peel back the onion on each of those different roles and and figure out how they 
are really managing the job and the tools that they're using. And a lot of it is really, it's probably the the most consistency I have ever seen in a market where customers come to us with manual processes, dealing with spreadsheets, disconnected systems, and different versions of the truth in different departments. So you'll find you know, ARR in sales is is different than the ARR number that customer success team or the churn numbers are calculated differently by different teams. And having a single source of truth that drives all of those metrics is really, really important to have the entire team singing off the same sheet of music. So really, you know, getting very pointed about the very tasks that they're involved in, how many hours it takes to be able to articulate the before and after picture of, you know, using our solution versus, you know, keeping the way they, the status quo of how they're handling it today. So getting very, very granular on those tasks, you know, there's audit tasks, there is the updating of KPIs and metrics it's preparing for board meetings and the due diligence process with investors. It's just the billing process or the order processing process and how they are doing. A lot of companies have a manual process of, of booking orders from the sales team. So really digging into those and understanding, you know, how can you really streamline that and make it a few clicks? You know, with our product, you can close an opportunity in Salesforce, for example, and bill the customer in 45 seconds or less, and all of your invoices are set up, all your revenue is allocated properly over the term of the agreement. And then as more business is transacted, all of your metrics and KPIs are immediately updated and you can see kind of the state of the business in real time. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to understate this. I mean, I think if you have any SaaS at all, it's worth looking into SaaS office because even if you go to G2, which is a software review site, 4.6 stars average, right? So if people are raving about it, but I think it's better to get started and get the habits down and the processes down right now, whether you're early days or, you know, wherever you are with your current SaaS business, if you're in SaaS. Uh, yep. So working towards wrapping up here, I got a couple more questions for you, Tim. What is your favorite business book? Oh, gosh. Favorites, you know, probably the tried and true, the lean startup by Eric Ries or good to great. Geez, the millionaire next door. <laughs> I don't know. There's plenty. Got it. Yeah. Millionaire next door. That that was a that's a good reminder. It brings back memories. They're all good yeah, books. We'll drop them in the show notes. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I said they're kind of old, but they've lasted for sure. Oldie but goodie. So how about your favorite business tool that's not called SaaS Optics? <laughs> oh, come on. It's SaaS Optics. It's not what I use every single day, but there's a company here in Atlanta that I've been tracking. They're customers of ours as well, but a company called Full Story, I think, is really making way. They kind of have a, a tool that can record all the sessions happening with your product, and we use it in our support team where we can actually you know, you always run into the the issue with customers that you can't recreate the problem that they had and or what they're doing in context. So we can actually play back um, those sessions and see it live, see what, what their clickstream looks like in the actual session and know exactly where they were in the context of asking for help. It's just a great solution that has really helped our team and really gets immediately to what the issue is and uh, enables us to kind of 
really take care of our customers' issues very, very quickly and streamline. So great company. A lot of ex-Google people that started it here in Atlanta, and they're they're growing like a weed. So you should probably put them on your, your list to reach out to. <laughs> For sure. Which company or founder are you following right now? Well, it's hard not to follow Tesla and uh, Elon Musk. I think there's, they're everywhere you look. But, you know, companies like Pendo in North Carolina, Full Story, as I mentioned, here in Atlanta. And then, you know, Kyle Porter has done and his team at uh, Sales Loft has just been great to see uh, our companies here in our backyard doing really, really well. For sure. Well, Tim, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, so it's sasoptics, S-A-A-S-O-P-T-I-C-S.com. All right, great. That's simple enough. Tim, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks again, Eric. It was great catching up with you again. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.